Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> Is that an insult? We awake? Yeah. Okay. Um. I'm kind of terrified that the battery in this is going to die, and if it does, that whole squealching thing may happen. I'll run over and shut it down as fast as I can. Um, I guess we're here for the Indie Comics panel, and uh, this is our Indie Comics panel. Uh, <laughs> I'm still waking up, so you guys are going to have to do a lot of work. Just saying. That sounds okay. Okay. Um, I'm, also, I'll be, um, I'm Adam. I'm from the Dollar Bin Comics Book po- Comics Book Sale. Still waking up. Comic Book Podcast. We're actually recording this panel and a few other panels too. If anyone's interested in catching some of the panels you may have missed, we may be re- recording it. Uh, like I said, we are doing this one. So also, I know this is a really small room and the PA is a little overpowering. But if you guys could talk into the mic so we can pick it up on the recording, that'd be great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so. The first thing that I noticed with this panel is uh, the first time that, uh, actually, Indie Comics, you guys introduce yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get this. I'll get the rhythm going. I'll get the rhythm going. So why don't you guys uh, go through and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Aaron Conley. <laughs> I'm the uh, artist and co-creator of Sabertooth Swordsman. You guys can clap, too, when they say that. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, uh, I'm Scott uh, Campbell, Scott C as well. Uh, I do a series called Great Showdowns and um, uh, Double Fine Action Comics is my older comic. And um, yeah, and I work for a Double Fine Productions on video game stuff. Hi, I'm uh, Benjamin Mara. I uh, <laughs> have a publishing company called Traditional Comics, which um, houses all of my titles, uh, most notably uh, Night Business, Gangster Rap Posse, my two new ones, uh, Terror Assaulter, Amwat, One Man War on Terror, and um, Blades and Lasers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Jim Rugg, and uh, some of my works include Aphrodisiac that I co-write and draw, and um, my new book is uh, Street Angel, which is actually just a new edition of uh, an older work that's been out of print for about 10 years. And um, I recently finished up a four-issue story arc on Adventure Time. <laughs> uh, Alexis Sirid, uh the package, Mecano Turbo, just like weird stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, I do like a bunch of uh, covers for like Boom Studios. Uh, uh, I work more as an illustrator for like skateboard companies and heavy metal bands. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for being here and doing the panel and then talking with us and everything. Um, the first question I have is uh, it's a pretty heavy one, and um, it's, it's two-parter. What exactly does being an indie comic creator mean, and do you actually consider yourself an indie comic creator? It means we have a day job. That's funny. Actually, Jim and I were sort of talking about this last night. And, um, I personally don't like the word indie at all. So I don't really consider myself indie necessarily. <laughs> but it's, it's still, I, I can see how it still applies technically because i'm independent of like really 
big mainstream comic companies and even not big mainstream comic companies like even the other levels <laughs> i'm like way down you know or if they're in like the the dependent area like i'm in the independent ring you know so i, I don't like that word but um it still applies i guess yeah i mean i always considered with with you know a lot of people it's funny to me now because i'm more familiar with the indie comic scene um and even mini comics and stuff like that, like completely self-published stuff. But it's interesting to me that a lot of people consider like image indie comics or even dark horse indie comics. Right. And I mean, I guess there's a new category. It's kind of, it's now it's creator owned comics, you know, right. it's not indie anymore. So there's kind of this other category that's, that's shown up. And I mean, do you, I mean, you guys, do you even classify yourselves at all or do people classify yeah. you? Well, I think, like, the whole, it's, like, same with music, too. Like, alternative and indie, like, is becomes mainstream. So it's, like, what is that even? I mean, I don't know. I mean, how popular is, if someone is indie and super popular, I guess it's just whatever they're, if they're creating their own thing, I suppose that would be indie? I don't know. Yeah. If they're, yeah, I guess they create their own. Like, it's like an organic but, food, you know? Yeah. Organic, oh, he's saying this, that's cool. <laughs> Independent yeah. food. So cool. Independent yeah. food is so good. Indie food. Um. Yeah, I never even thought about creator owned as like a, yeah. as like a term, but I, now that I think about it, it's like all over the place. Used to mm-hmm. identify a lot of stuff, you know, like oh, I'm going into creator owned comics. Yeah, I think there's a uh, there's a obviously a wide answer that falls under indie comics. You know, for me, a lot of the part that appeals to me is that I can do pretty much whatever I want. I have a hand in selling the work. I have a hand, you know, if you buy one of my comics, there's a good chance you're buying it directly from me and I'm stuffing the envelope and mailing it out to you. And in some cases, you know, I'm printing the work and binding the work and trimming the work, um, which appeals to me. You know, like I think of this as like an art-making process. And so if the project is small enough, I can do absolutely every part of it. You know, it's just it's a total freedom to do whatever I want, which is what I want to do. (laughs) And you keep the rights. Yeah, you keep the rights, and you sort of have to do the math and make it work. And but so it allows in- me to do whatever I want, and I don't have to explain it to anyone before I do it. I can just do it, and then <laughs> you can decide whether it's something you like. If you're working in a more traditional publishing model, you often have to sell the concept before the thing even exists. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the idea that I can just make whatever I want, and if it turns out to be a little different than I expected. It's up to me whether I like that and if I want to keep going in that direction and I don't have to worry about somebody, an editor or a publisher or anybody else telling me uh, to do it differently. So being indie makes you independent of the man. Yes. <laughs> You're on your own terms. I think a lot of us here, though, at least on this stand, are like, I mean, if indie means anything with these guys here, it's just the influence of, like, you know, 70s underground comics with an X, you know? It's just that kind of vibe you know i don't think anybody here is an influence is not you know influenced by robert crumb or people like that you know what i'm saying yeah, you guys definitely you you don't work on a house style right. like you guys all have unique styles of your of your own and um does is that let's let's talk about your influences like in i guess in comics in general whether it's indie or mainstream or anything like where do your influences lie um <laughs> Mine definitely, like Aaron said, are, are housed in the 70s for sure. Uh, Paul Gulacy is a really huge influence on me 
his master of kung fu stuff is is always like on my mind. Also, this guy Ken Landgraf, who did some sort of like underground indie comics, I guess. But they were like superhero comics, you know. And that was more like eighties, I think. Eighties black and white. Yeah, eighties black and white. Boom. That's another huge influence. Is like eighties stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 definitely influenced by mainstream stuff. You know, it's weird because like I I would absolutely agree with Aaron that uh, our crumb is is always going to be an influence, and all of those underground guys like Spain Rodriguez, um, you know, Hernandez brothers who are here, um, but uh, like Kirby is. Is like always. Unless they want for it. Yeah, like always gonna be like the the the, the master and um and Steranko, those two guys, those two guys are like that to me is like comic book artwork and that's where it begins and ends. My influences are always changing because I was I mean, I've been collecting comics since I was young and I wanted to go in and uh draw X Men super bad. Like so, I was really into X Men, New Mutants, and all those titles. I was collecting like crazy and having everything signed. So like that was gonna be my future doing that. So, but as go- going to college and then and also just like kind of being exposed to different types of comics and learning about the Hernandez brothers and learning about all these other sorts of artists and Paul Clay and all these different um, gallery arts, all kinds of art from everywhere. You know, like kind of started changing how I started looking at things. My intentions for the stories I wanted to tell changed. Am I close enough? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, so. I, I guess like my my influences were all, all across the board in picture books, illustrators like Richard Scarry and Gory and stuff like just all all kinds all across the board. My I, I grew up uh, in a really small town. There wasn't even a comic book store, so video stores were like a huge thing for me when I was you know ten or twelve. Video stores popped up everywhere. And there were all these very lurid covers on like straight to video horror movies. And the movies never lived up to those covers and the cool posters. But that stuff was huge for me. I would just like look at every box, of, you know, in the video store and just kind of spend hours looking at this stuff and, and sort of mesmerized by this crazy cover art. So um, I have, you know, like, like Scott mentioned, influences outside of comics. I certainly love comics and read as many of those as I could growing up. But you know, things like movies were huge for me, and especially, like, the, the video store era, you know. They were almost like maybe pulp magazines from an earlier era where it was just weird, you know. And seeing that much stuff on a wall was kind of overwhelming. And in my mind, it was just blending all of these crazy-looking monsters and horror covers and action movies and stuff like that. I remember video games, too. Like, I was really into going to arcades and things, and I had my Atari, um, and I loved that, like, my favorite thing as a kid was looking at the covers that they had, like how the artists, their rendition of what these boxes looked like, you know? Like, like oh, this is just a box with an arrow for a sword, and this person, like, drew this epic thing that he imagined what it was, and I loved that so much. I loved, like, imagining these, these boxes in real basic shapes being epic. I used to love to put those around my TV and pretend that's what I was playing. That was the world <laughs> that I was in, because I was trying so hard to imagine that when it was just yeah. a few boxes. Imagination, to have. Well, uh, I am from South America. My dad used to like got me these uh, Santo comics, Lucha Libre. Um, they were like actually like photos with like actors, uh, but it wasn't just like a comic book with the balloons and everything. So that was like, like wow, like what is this? <laughs> but they were like amazing. Yeah. So 
Well, after that, it's the same. I just didn't compare with uh, the good stuff. When you guys started drawing, like, influenced by all these things in your youth, like, when did you really start drawing? And, like, where did you kind of, what did you start drawing when you were younger? Were you mimicking these things? Or trying, I guess? <laughs> I mimicked Todd McFarlane for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I was into that stuff. But, you know, eventually I was just like, not anymore. <laughs> Actually, I started like, mimicking uh, Gona Guy because we had, like, we only have, like, I am for like a really small town like Venezuela. We only at the time we only have like one channel. So every day that they have like this like messenger C like animation, gonna guy animation. So that that's all I start like drawing, you know, like like big robots. Like gonna guy messenger C was my big thing. But I th- I think a lot of mine was even like like even before Todd McFarlane, you know, and stuff like that. I was I had gotten like the the Archie version of Ninja Turtles. But then I was just like somewhere out one day, and I was like, "Wait a second, there's like a black and white version of this stuff." <laughs> and I started getting that, and it wasn't necessarily that the turtles themselves or the artists themselves were an influence. It was just the fact that like Eastman and Laird were so cool about just like letting like anybody come in and just do like whatever they wanted with it, you know. And like on a very early age that like just really set in on the fact that like these things don't have to be specific kind of way and they can be like all kinds of crazy different ways you know and still be a lot of fun and then I would start drawing the Ninja Turtles and one day I might draw a Ninja Turtle that looked like like an Eastman and Laird Ninja Turtle next day I might draw one that looks like an actual like real turtle you know what I mean or something like that and they did that stuff too, and that was, of course, all an influence. But I'm just saying, just the, the diversity of what they would allow to happen was just a big influence on my whole thought process. Yeah, that was big for me finding black and white comics because I was trying to copy comic books and figure out, like, how do you do this? Like, how does my stuff look like? How do I get from my sketchbook to Todd McFarlane? Like, it seems so different. And whenever I found some black and white comics, like, suddenly that was closer to what I was drawing. And I remember when Frank Miller started doing uh, Sin City, you know, I would pick those up. I was a big Frank Miller fan, and he lettered the comics himself. He did everything himself. Like, it was a one-man operation for what I was reading, and that was like, in my head, that was revolutionary. It was like, oh, you know, like, you could make these great comics completely on your own. And that was a huge breakthrough for me. I remember, uh, well, one of, the, one of the big influences on me growing up was this comic I bought uh, that was Derek Robertson's first uh, comic book, which was called Space Beaver. And it was kind of like a TMNT, you know, anthropomorphic animal ripoff sort of thing, but it was like a sci-fi thing. And I remember, like, copying the way that he would render the fur on on Space Beaver and uh, the way that he would just sort of, like, uh, do bullet holes in... um, in uh, like walls and stuff, and that sort of like triggered something in my mind, like to to start thinking about like things in three dimensions and the way that you sort of like uh, think about light hitting form and stuff like that. I remember that being like a, a pretty big like turning point for me when I was growing up, just copying it, you know, and, and using that as an influence. But I was totally to like McFarlane and all those Eastman layered books. I was like, yeah, I would, I would just copy all that stuff. Yeah, I did like a lot of tracing too. Oh, you did? Yeah, like I, I traced like a, oh man, like a stack of that Superman. 
Oh, art pages like the yeah, sequential yeah, like page, straight through and everything. Like you know, like the form, everything. Like like just like I was like eight years old and just like doing it, doing it, doing it. Yeah. I used to write. I used to make my own comics, um, and I used to trace my GI Joe comics and things, <laughs> and make my own GI Joe comics. But I would create new characters, and I would use the same poses, and I just put different hair. And different outfit on them, and I go. Yeah, this is I do this from memory. I used to pretend I drew all that from memory too. Um, but yeah, I used to trace a lot, and I had different techniques for tracing with calling crayon on the backs of my Star Wars coloring books and tracing and bringing into school and saying I drew it. I was really into taking credit for that stuff. <laughs> but I, but I was also drawing like um, I mean my favorite kind of subject matter was just drawing epic battles all the time when I was younger. Constantly drawing battles that that had that didn't look like anything by the end and i remember like like it was just kind of not very awesome to look at at all it's just like a mess but th- what i loved about it was it was like um it was just basically playing action figures with drawing whatever yeah. <laughs> like you're basically like making the bullet, bullet sounds you're making all that stuff like you're basically just i, I would used to love playing action figures with just with the drawing basically mm-hmm. and drawing underground caverns and like civilizations and stuff like that that was all my favorite thing to draw. so like about how old were you when you were doing that stuff um, that was like from, uh, God, I don't know. Were you, were you at the drink now? and draw last night? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I had a comic book store and I had, I had a subscription like at a really, really like young age mm-hmm. for, before most people did. Cause my dad was just like, he was a baseball card collector. So he was like uh, into collecting and stuff like that. So he like knew, <laughs> but I would get like, I would get my like really normal comics at the, the comic shop. But that comic shop would always put like like flyers in my box for like just like every comic that they would get flyers <laughs> for, you know. So it'd be like they'd be like now comics or just all this like random strange stuff because it was like you know 1987 mm-hmm. and that creator owned boom was kind of happening at the time. So who knows what I would get in the box, you know? And even like previews, I think, was starting to come out at that time. And I would be, like, more excited about those, like, weird, like, pamphlets and, like, all the strange <laughs> stuff I would see in, like, Diamond Comics than I was actually, like, Spider-Man comics. Like, not even reading the comics, just the pamphlets yeah. that came with the... <laughs> yeah, I was just like, who knows what I'm going to, like, get this week that they're going to... And, and, you know, at the same time, like, some of the stuff was, like, kind of sexy, you know, and you're, like, a young kid, and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the, the heavy metal magazine. That yeah. Oh, yeah. Dicey inside, I was like, oh, my nada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know, heavy metal is just the yeah. same way, you know? And even if you couldn't look at heavy metal, you would just, like walk by in a comic store and like either see the cover of it or yeah, yeah. like dig through it and, and you're just like this is just like beyond like anything that I can fathom <laughs> and if, if, if there's anything that I want to do in my art it's just bring that same kind of feeling to somebody mm-hmm. you know where they just like see my book and they're just like what is this you know <laughs> yeah well, like I was gonna go a lot more in like education, all that stuff, but you kind of brought up like your art, so I'm gonna skip all that. And anybody wants to ask about your educational roots and art, we can do that later. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk a little bit more about like your style and your process. And I mean, a lot of artists that I've talked to, like coming up, everybody you talk to that's just starting to draw, they're like you know high school, early college level. Like they want to do X Men, they want to do Batman, they want to do Superman. I mean, did you guys, I mean, you had mentioned wanting to do X-Men or you were really into drawing X-Men. I mean, did you guys want to do that or is like, is like doing your thing what you've always wanted to do? 
I think I think everybody wants to do X Men. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I was gonna say every. I think everybody starts off wanting to do X Men, but fuck that. Everybody still wants to do X Men. Right? Um, I I think about like Chester Brown, and he really just wanted to do, like Spider Man and all those books. You know, he he just wanted to do and look where he landed. It's just like crazy, and I kind of feel like, um. Maybe maybe we're all sort of on the, on a similar track where where our our entry point our gateway into this medium is through those very tried and true uh, characters and those books Batman you know Superman all the all those guys and I still love all that stuff um, not so much today what's going on but like I still love like all those characters um, but just doing my own stuff was I had I had stories to tell and I knew that. That was going to be sort of like my, the only way that I was going to get a chance to draw what I wanted was just to write my own stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I realized, um, like, I, I was trying to figure out how to make comics about the same time I started reading comics. Like, I identified that as, like, this is the perfect thing for me. It's a way to just spend my time drawing. And I was really into X-Men and everything, and it was when Jim Lee was on X-Men and Rob Liefeld was on New Mutants and X-Force and stuff, and it's whenever they left image and so there was all this talk about make your own characters make your own books and I was like I don't know 13 14 and it sort of changed my trajectory because like the guys that I was looking up to and my favorite <laughs> cartoonists were suddenly introducing their own characters publishing their own work and talking about doing that and so like from that point forward that was me like it was like I'll draw my own characters I'll make up my own you know stories and ideas and you know figure out a way to to publish those or try to, you know, send those to Image or, you know, some small publisher where I could do whatever I wanted. Um, you know, so, like, there were examples for that. It's not like I was inventing the wheel, but seeing these guys sort of talking about it sounded ex- – and it was exciting, you know. Like, the early days of Image, it was just exciting. It was on every magazine cover that was comics-related. They were selling tons of books. You know, they were full – sh- at that point, I had found a comic book shop – and Image's formation was one of the reasons I found a comic book shop because a lot of those books were sold only through comic book shops, and I wanted them. And you know, finding the shop opened up a lot of a lot of creator-owned <laughs> examples, a lot of independent publishing. But seeing that stuff was wild to me. People were doing whatever they wanted. You know, like <laughs> my first comic book shop, uh, the owner would sell me Faust. Which I don't know yeah. if people are familiar with that. That was another one I would get too. And it's like it's like an X-ray, you know, just hyper violent and sex. I shouldn't have probably had it when I was fourteen. But at the same time, like you read that and you realize, like, you know, whatever I thought comics could be, they can actually be anything. And that that was huge, you know, like seeing that example was, it was inspiring. Just, it was just like me, like I was like walk, walking on Caracas, Venezuela, and this like hippie on the street was like selling that this like crazy magazine. They have it like. All on the over the floor. So they were like really cheap. I said like, you know what? I'm gonna get all those magazines. Uh, they were like El Vibora, who is like a really underground, uh, underground like uh, um, uh, comic magazine from uh, Spain, and it was like nasty stuff. Like, <laughs> it was like so nasty. Like actually, like like probably like ten years ago, they they, they sent like some magazine for like a some like books, stuff in South America, and they were, like, born in the air- airport. Like, the police, like, stopped that, like, they burning off. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, that, that was my introduction to, like, Manara, Crumb, uh, Liberatore. Uh, I, I want you, like, really good stuff. Jordi Verne was in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I kind of like Spider-Man. I kind of <laughs> like Spider-Man. I want to draw Spider-Man, but then I didn't want to draw Spider-Man, though, because I was like, I don't want to draw all those webs. <laughs> but, but then you look at my art now, though, and I'm like, the guy who draws, like, every stone on the ground, you know what I mean? Like, what was I worried about then? Do you, um, I know a lot of you guys, you, you get um, stuff published through, like, I know, Jim, you're like, a lot of your books come through Ad House and stuff like that. I mean, being an indie creator, do you, uh, do you worry about distribution and publishing and stuff like that and having to shop all that stuff around? Is that something that's, like, consciously weighing on you? Yeah, it is. I think of Ad House. I've done a number of books with them. I've done four books with them, my last four, you know, kind of bigger works. I think of them as almost a collaborator, but a lot of it has to do with things I don't want to handle myself. You know, like <laughs> the publisher of Ad House is an art director, and he's very conscious of design and production, and so I'm able to collaborate with him on trying to make these books look as good as they can, but, you know, like our, our experiences sort of overlap a little bit. You know, so he's bringing something that I don't have to that collaboration. Um, distribution is, it's, it's a pain. I mean, Ben and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, that's an ongoing issue, especially if you're doing work that's outside of the mainstream. And it is something that um, some publishers do better than others, you know. Um, I think if, if any of you are interested in working with publishers, you do need to research those publishers and see what strengths they have. Because each publisher is a little bit different. So you kind of have to figure that out, I think, if you want your work to be successful and reach the audience, you know, the biggest audience it can. You do need to do that homework and think about distribution and think about whether your work fits with what publisher and figure out what tasks you're happy doing. I like selling the work. Um, you know, I'm happy to promote it. I'm happy to, to talk about it. Not every creator is. And some publishers handle that better than others. So that's something I think if you're going to be successful, especially on this level where you know, the margin for error is very tiny whenever you're dealing with quantities this small. Um, you know, I think it behooves you to do that kind of research. And, and I'm lucky to have Ad House. I think we, our sensibilities mesh very well. I hear a lot of people complain about their publishers, and I'm not one of them, you know. But the first time we worked together was kind of luck. He was the only person that would publish my first book. So that's the reason we worked together the first time. That fact that we fit well together <laughs> is great and it's a bonus but early on i didn't even know what to look for you know it was just sort of luck that it that it's worked out as well as it has i struggle i struggled with with um putting out books in distribution and warehousing and everything like I, I i have no desire to like do anything doing with, with mailing anything out at all like or storing anything i have no desire to do that but when i was working on like the great showdowns books and my art books like, it was a big decision to try to figure out, like, do I go to a publisher or do I, like, do a Kickstarter or something like that? And then I, do I get everything out myself or hire somebody just to distribute it? And each time I, I went with the publisher just because I thought, like, well, maybe these guys know that, you know, they can get it um, spread out, spread it out further. I won't get as much money from it, but, like, they'll get it out to more people that I wouldn't be able to get it out to. And that was, like, and that was a major struggle for me to try to figure that out. And ultimately, I'd rather more people read it and enjoy it than, than less and just get more money from it. For me, that was what I... How do you guys feel about Kickstarter and those kinds of things? Have you guys, have any of you used a lot, utilized it? I've never had, but I would like to. I mean, yeah. or the video game company I worked for did. Yeah. I think it's like, or Double Fine did. I, I, think, um, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty great, personally. Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic. All the, all the <laughs> you know, kickback that's come against it, I don't understand. To me, it's one more revenue stream. You know, like a lot of work has come through there. 
it, it hasn't put any publishers out of business. Like all the traditional publishing and distribution channels are still there. This is just one more option. So I, I think it's great. I think it's, I mean, it's just like a glorified like presale kind of <laughs> yeah. system. I mean, it, it's like I think a lot of people make like you know talk down about it because it's like, oh man, look at how much money they made, how much more money they made than <laughs> than what they asked for. Like they got to give us more stuff or something like that. That's the biggest thing problem I have with it. Everyone thinks they like they paid like you know 15 bucks and they get the book and then then they see that everyone earn, they earn so much more and they go oh, I get I need something more for my 15 dollars or something like that whereas like it's like it's just like you just bought the book basically you know yeah. and then, like maybe you don't see how much money people actually make on books yeah, maybe yeah. they make that much money and like all of a sudden it's there for everyone to see how much money they make on the books i don't know i think yeah. a lot of people who are doing the kickstarters are learning what a publisher does and i think that yeah. a lot of them like you said, like, yeah, you get those stre- people at stretch goals. They get all this money. And then those, oh, God, I got to ship these things. I got to yeah. package these things. I just added four pounds to this package with all these, you know, extra <laughs> yeah. things I added in here. And I, that's all stuff that publishers do for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, they think about totally. that stuff so you don't have to. And a lot of people are learning it's hard publishing, <laughs> self-publishing books. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, the more stuff you keep adding to your Kickstarter, like, you realize that, like, yeah, sending stuff out costs a lot of money. <laughs> Taxes, you, you're like, oh, man, you, like, have less money. I know a lot of people end up doing, like, uh, you know, original art with it. And then, after, God, I know a lot of people, they'll end, they'll end up doing a, 100 commissions, and you'll sell 30 books, you know? Like, people will pre-order the book, but you end up doing so many commissions. Uh, I mean, it I seems like it so though. much work. I mean, I love it. I mean, I would love to do one and come up with a reward. Sounds so fun. And yeah. then, like, but it also builds the community around mm-hmm. around the, the book, and, and everyone kind of knows about it, and everyone can kind of get together about it. And I think that's pretty awesome, too. Like, that's something that isn't mm-hmm. normally when, when you put out a book, like, oh, here's the, here's the book, and you try to get people to know about it. But there's already a community built around this book and backing mm-hmm. it up, which I think is awesome, or whatever project it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I would love to do a Kickstarter sometime. Did you guys? <clears throat> did you guys start out doing like? Did you do a bunch of mini comics and stuff? Do you still do like like before you started shopping to publishers? Like, how was that transition? Kind of doing your own thing and then starting to talk to publishers and all that stuff. I just start, <laughs> I just started making like a comic book. Like I, I wanted it to really look like a, a, a traditional a traditional comic book. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just started doing doing comics like straight off the bat. Uh, but I do think that it's really helpful to cut your teeth doing mini comics like that is like a very, very easy and accessible thing that anybody can do. Mm-hmm. I was, I was just, we were just putting stuff up on our website. And we were just printing it out and actually like putting it in packages, sending it to, to different companies that we just liked. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Thanks. And like that's rarely, I think that's rarely done these days. Where and they call it the sludge pile, you know. <laughs> they, they get it in, you know, and they like look. They're like, yeah, we're not looking through this stuff, you know. Or they get some assistant who doesn't know anything to like look through it, you know. But apparently, somebody at Dark Horse did look at our stuff and they just passed it over, you know. And they're like, this looks like something you might like to the editor that we ended up having, and he contacted us about doing something for what they were called the MySpace Dark Horse Presents at right. the time. We just did a short with that. And like I said, we just had a ton of different stuff that we were working on on the website. Um, and after we got hooked up with our assistant editor through that, he just was like, we were just like, hey, can we pitch a, a book to you? And he was like, yeah. But he was an assistant <laughs> editor at the time. So we spent an a- like actually a year like 
because Saber Two Swordsman is such Thank a you. strange premise. Yeah. Sorry. No, um, yeah, no, no. I was saying. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I was no, saying. Yeah. Hurry, hurry no, no. Up, man. I was saying. Come I was on. saying like you pitched the assistant editor, and he has to move it up one, and he has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, that's I wasn't saying. That. Yeah, but. Um, sorry, but yeah, he, <laughs> it was such a strange premise, you know, even for Dark Horse, considering yeah. they have like Usagi Ojimbo over there, but something called yeah. Saber Two Swordsman, you know, <laughs> and the book was like based in like a fake like india world you know it's mm-hmm. just a lot of things going against it you know so he got with a, like a lot of other, other editors and made sure that they they said just the right things in the pitch you know mm-hmm. and at the time <laughs> the scott pilgrim movie was like blowing up you know so, and there's elements of like a little bit of video game stuff in Sabretooth. so it was like oh yeah it's kind of like scott pilgrim you know <laughs> <laughs> so that helped us along the way and I, I mean I remember I got a text in the, I was like talking to a friend having a beer one night I'm like that book is not going through no mm-hmm. way because they were like going to talk to like the money people they were the final decision was like the money guys you know mm-hmm. and then I got a text the next day I was like the book went through and I was just like oh now I got to draw it <laughs> <laughs> I made my friends and I we made a lot of mini comics in San Francisco and we went to Ape with them all the time yeah. We had a group called Hickey. We called ourselves Hickey Comics. Yeah. And we, we made our, our, we piled ours together, and then we each had our own, and we would just give them around to everybody. And I think that's where, I think, um, Alternative Comics noticed one of those, one of those minis and then mm-hmm. started publishing my friend Graham's comics, Grickle, and then started publishing Hickey. That's how we got our break. It was all from making minis and passing around to everybody and saying, hey, you want a mini? You want a mini? <laughs> and, like, and trading with, like, with like people that are more our level mm-hmm. rather yeah. than trading with <laughs> a lot of trading going on. But that, I mean, I think that works really well, actually. Kind of worked up a buzz. Yeah, I yeah. did like a bunch of mini comics, too, when I was like doing Mocha, New York. Um, then I went to like college in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> I was like working in the print shop from, for, for, the, for the institute. So we just like, like stay like inside the bathroom until like everybody like closed the, 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 the place. And just like go like all night printing like comics until like five in the morning, <laughs> like usually like, comics too. Like like a re- it looks just like a, the real thing. Mm-hmm. So that was the way I started like, doing like like my own comics. Thank yeah. USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have too much to add. I made a lot of mini comics too for a couple years, like, like everybody's describing. I yeah. found it to be a good experience, a way to get better without having hundreds or thousands of copies of very bad work out there yeah <laughs> you know mini comics were a good way to uh, to meet people too you know you trade them with your friends and you get feedback that way and it's important for people to read the work you know even whenever you're starting out i think it's important mm-hmm. i don't i don't think the work is done until somebody reads it you know yeah yeah it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> and if something's good then people will pass it around and say hey, have you seen this cool book what the heck you know i mean i still like people will give me comics a lot at my table and if something is amazing, I'll be like, I'll show my neighbors and whoever else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you guys happy with uh, the path your careers have, has been taking? You still got a long ways to go, but like where you guys are at now? Well, <laughs> uh, I can say like, yes, like, I can tell you like a year ago, I, I never were like, like thinking, oh, no, you like sit down here with like these guys. You know? <laughs> I think I'm doing good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm happy with it. You know, I've I've gotten to do a lot of things that I've enjoyed doing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my comics have led to things like art shows. 
prints, um, uh, interesting design jobs, you know, and I just like making stuff. So <laughs> I'm pretty happy with, with that. Uh, there's a lot more I want to do, but so far so good. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Darrow sent me an email and said he liked my book. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty good about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I thought, like, I was going to do comics right away or, mm-hmm. or picture books right when I graduated, and I was so stressed out about it, about getting any sort of art job that I just landed in games, which was not my plan at all. Mm-hmm. And then I'd been working games for, like, 15 years, and it wasn't, like, what I would planned on doing. But it, like alongside that, it, it really helped me figure out how to like discipline myself and like the editing of, of my own work and like how to not be too married to certain ideas and like how to um, work on all the different aspects of everything else. So doing comics and work showing in galleries and working on movies, all these things alongside that 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 gave me a good having a, a normal salary job at a game company gave me that sort of opportunity to really do that in my spare time, which for yeah. me was fine. And I think I have no regrets for any sort of way that my has been. I think everything's been great. Yeah. yeah. Personally, so I, I, think, I don't think you should. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you get too happy with your path, though, you're not going to grow as an artist. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I was and just going to yeah. say, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not satisfied yeah. at all. <laughs> I, I, there's like more that needs yeah. to be done. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. Like you guys have huge careers still ahead of you. Yeah. But You're still relatively I mean, young. I've watched. Like I've only been reading a lot of this stuff for a few years now, but I've been familiar with all y'all's work and it's just steadily getting better and better. I mean, you guys are all growing. It's a marathon, still. you know, <laughs> I think we're all sort of in it for like the long term. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things about making minis is like when you see somebody make a mini and then you're like, Oh, that's cool. But then you see them do it again and they're like doing it over and over. We're just sort of doing it like with other higher production level values, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm happy. I'm never really happy with what I've done. Cause that's why I make something else. Cause I want to make the next thing better than but yeah, what I just did. The same problem. Like I finished like a page and it, like one hour later, it's like, Oh, I, this just sucks. Yeah. It's really, it's a really weird, weird thing. Cause I just feel, I, I I'm, I'm sure you guys feel the same way i just feel like i have a compulsion to make this stuff <laughs> and if i don't i just i don't know i like have breakdowns and stuff i really need to be like making stuff and like i don't have a choice really so yeah alexis says though he's like oh, i i should redraw this page but he doesn't but then i will redraw this page. <laughs> that's, that's my idea maybe two times <laughs> do you get all the way done before you redo the whole thing again I don't ever quite get that far. Okay, because you got a lot of de- a lot of detail in your pages. <laughs> I've, uh, I've struggled with creating things. That's been something that, like, in the past, I was like, I, there was lots of times where I was like, I don't see the point. Really, there were times where I was like, it, I don't have to do it or, and go crazy. I could much rather just hang out with friends or go to shows and do other things that have nothing to do with art. Sounds sounds awesome to me, you know. Yeah. But so healthy. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, I just don't want to do it all the time. It's okay. I like it, but it's not like it's like I will go murder somebody if I don't. You know? I mean, that's just me. But a lot of my friends are. That's the case. But like, I mean, I know you're not gonna murder anybody. No. Like but like, uh, but like, um, I don't know. I I think like trying struggling and, and evolving as an artist or a creative person is like. I mean, there's so much left to do and so much that I want to do that has nothing to do with comics, nothing to do with games. You make movies, do some performance. I don't know. I mean, there's like so much. Just hard to focus. Yeah. <laughs> Evolving as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, crowd questions? 
If not, I'll keep talking. I'll do it. You guys have any questions right now? Really? What, can I run over there and do the whole mic thing? <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, this question is for Benjamin Mira. Um, I got your Lincoln, Washington story uh, two years ago. How do you feel uh, having that be published before Django Unchained? Because it's stories are similar. I'll yeah, that was that was actually by design because I knew Tarantino was doing um, Django, and I wanted I had that story in my mind for years and years. So that was like very deliberate to try and do it before that movie came out. <laughs> well, I will ask you guys about your education then. <laughs> guess we'll dig into that um do you guys have formal art educations yeah a little bit i went like uh i went to like art school in venezuela for maybe like two years so. yeah i studied uh design and minored in painting with a bfa um yeah, yeah i went i went to school for illustration and then i went to i got a master's in illustration at school of visual arts but i, I actually i I actually have very conflicted feelings about <laughs> formal education and art. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I, I actually feel like I'm, I'm all. Uh, may, maybe, maybe this is just you know the journey that I took, but I feel like I'm just making the same artwork that I made back when I was 15, and doing all that art education was just to realize that. I figured it sort of all out when I was a teenager, and, <laughs> and now I'm like just trying to get back to that like raw emotional <laughs> level of like drawing things, and and uh, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it was like all that worth it. And some some of my favorite artists have never had any formal training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know um, like a lot of uh, musicians who go to college and go to music school basically say that ruined music for them because they learned all of the rules to music. Yeah, I have, a, I have a friend who who uh, who's a guitar, he's a rock and roll guitar player, and he went to school and he majored in video art, and that was by on purpose because he <laughs> knew that he if he went to music school, it would take like all the rock and roll out of him. Yeah, yeah, and then people I know that went to film school said they learned nothing, but it was a good networking experience. <laughs> That's what everybody says. That's kind of what I feel about. I went to um, Academy of Art College in San Francisco mm -hmm. and studied illustration and sequential and picture books. Was what I focused on. Um, and I mean, I'm happy I went because it taught me how to be disciplined and, um, have goals and things and actually in meeting other peers and stuff that we stayed in contact and helped each other out through. I mean, that really is, and, and being exposed to new types of art and new ways of thinking through the people I was in school with, mm -hmm. which maybe I wouldn't have had in, in the town that I was in. I was not kind of a shy dude, so it would have been hard to meet all these people otherwise without being put in a class with all of them, forced to hang out. Like, yeah. there's 30 of us. Like, oh, now you guys have to hang out together. <laughs> I would have a hard time talking to those people otherwise, probably. Well, I know, like, at, like, um, at SCAD, they teach classes on pitching. You know, they teach, they teach about talking to people and pitching things and stuff like that. And I guess that can be really helpful for a lot of artists, too. They are very internal people. I know, like, some people say artists, they, you spend all day and night drawing. You sit at a table. You don't interact with people. You're constantly working on your, on your art. I don't, so. I don't have, like, any, like, speaking, like, Social, yeah. Yeah, it could get, it could get lonely, man. <laughs> I mean, that's why I, I started working in a studio. I was working at home for about five years, and I started working into a, in a studio last year, and it's been the greatest thing ever. Other human beings, mm -hmm. 
having normal interactions with people, like I think I, I, I would have gone definitely crazy. <laughs> That's why kind of like Twitter and things like that are kind mm -hmm. of cool because like you can go on there and say, oh, those people existing and other people are stressing out right now too <laughs> and other people are like working late and you're like oh cool you know i'm not just this weirdo yeah. by myself yeah i had like two kids so that right now uh, they, they help me a lot you know because i'm like drawing they're like punching me <laughs> 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 they're getting the punching massages yeah. <laughs> um anybody else anybody else okay, okay good thank you um i was kind of wondering um like Kirby and Eisner and these like, forefathers, they kind of created a visual language. And do you think there's still parts of that language left to create? Or uh, do we just have to use that language and do the best we can with it? I think we've barely scratched the surface. <laughs> I like your use of language to describe it because I think language is sort of the, the greatest human technology. And I think comics are almost a super language because they, are, they graft information on top of what we think of as language, as formal language, which would be the written word. Um, you know, comics then add that dimension of image, and then those images are codified. So I think that we've barely begun to explore comics as a language, and I think part of the reason comics are so popular today is because we are now global and we're sort of crossing over language barriers, and comics are uniquely suited to do that. Yeah, I, th I think um, there's, there's a lot of people out there really exploring formal aspects of comics that, um, you know, are, are, are built on what was sort of explored by those early guys, uh, the early masters, um, like Chris Ware and uh, Dan Klaus. And I think Dash Shaw does really interesting panel-to-panel -panel sort of explorations and what you can do with sequencing images and then combining that with words. Uh, but yeah, Jim's right. Like the, the the word and picture combination can create something that's like uh, n new sort of language altogether. Like they 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 can create something greater than the sum of the parts. Um, that's sort of like the power of comics. For me personally, though, I really just like falling back on the like tried and true, uh, you know, very basic fundamental sort of storytelling. Um, uh, solutions that those guys sort of figured out already. Yeah, that's what I like because actually I don't read comics. <laughs> I just I like like look they are, but like I really don't give. I'm the same a way. Fuck to like read comics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I I I wish that there were more comics out there that I wanted to read. But <laughs> Do you guys get competitive with like your your books and your stories and like how great like dude this is like I really did a great job on this or I got I can I can do better than that or like. To help kind of like, you know, like, I always compare things like that to like kind of skateboarding. Like, you look at skateboarding in the 80s and how, like, amazing, like, the simplest things we see today are. But, like, I mean, art grows because you're building off of what came before you. I mean, is that something that you guys do? You're like, you see something and you're like, kind of like, I can make this my idea and kind of grow it and make it a little better? Staying amongst, like, us right here? Sure, yeah. Any, anybody, I mean, like, yeah, they, be, do they got you, anything on you? <laughs> if, if I could be as fast as Alexis, <laughs> if I could be as di diverse as Jim, you know, if, if I could be as just, like, 
like raw as bed. Yeah. No, I'll take all those. You know, but then I'm like I'm like the super dude in this group, you know? And there's no way I'm going to be. That, that's yeah. why that's why I came to this show, you know, so I can like actually like like we with this guy, see like the original art, like talk to them, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So did they help you step it up? Like you see like what Jim's doing and yeah. you're like, "God, I got to do better." Like like, look at this. Right, and that just goes back to the whole path situation, you know? Yeah. Like, if I didn't feel that way about these guys, I would just, I just, you know, comics would be a job at that point. Yeah. And I don't ever want <laughs> comics to be a job. I want to sit down and I want to, like, feel passionate and draw and be having fun while mm-hmm. I'm doing this, you know? Not that it's not, <laughs> not that it's going to be stressful and hard, Yeah. but it's, it's going to be fun. And when you're done, you're going to have this product in front of you that makes you feel really good about your life. And you can sit down and look back at that book and go like, well, this was happening that day or whatever. Or I don't think that, I mean, if this sums this indie panel up enough, it's like, I don't think that dudes who are drawing Batman or whatever can say the same thing. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, that's what I feel good about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think your analogy of like competitiveness, that's not exactly what I experienced. But like Aaron's yeah. saying, it's really fun. I get so excited to come here and pick up the work like a new comic from, from you know, any of these guys or any number of cartoonists here. And it's it's inspiring more than it is, you know, competitive. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. this is awesome. Like, this is what I, I'm, I'm part of this. I want to contribute to this. I want yeah. them to be excited to read my work the way I'm excited <laughs> to read theirs. Um, yeah. You know, I think that that competition is a little different. You know, it's not it's not analogous to sports or something where you feel like you're going to beat someone, mm-hmm. but it's almost like it's just cool to be a part of this peer group. You know, if it's work that you enjoy reading, and and for me, it's one of my favorite parts of comics is like finding this stuff. You know, seeing a new comic by somebody I like and, and being very excited by it. You know, and being surprised by it. You know, that's I think indie comics are very creative in that way. You know, people are trying things that. Whether they work or not, it's exciting for me to see something that's different, something I haven't thought of or haven't seen before. Yeah. Comics community is super supportive of everybody, I think, more, more than other, other professions, I think, even within the arts, like editorial illustration, other illustration. Like, they're all competing with each other. Competing. <laughs> um, and, and, and everyone here is, like, creating stuff and not, probably not making as much money as any of those people that are doing advertising and things like that, but they're also creating things for each other in a way that like makes like coming to conventions and things that uh, that much more awesome because you're seeing everyone and that you love and all the stuff that they're making like Jim's saying and you're excited to see their new stuff whereas like other sorts of like design shows and stuff like that maybe you have a little bit more of that competition a little bit more of like oh I got to get the client instead of this person for this yeah. we're just all making whatever making yeah. crazy stuff yeah I think we we all feel like inspired more than we feel competitive. But yeah. I, I definitely feel like competitive with myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think I think I feel inspired by like all these guys' work and and all the work that's pretty much done in the convention um, space. Uh, but yeah, it inspires me to want to do my my thing. And I and I think we all sort of have like pretty uh, specific visions, and we know what we want to do, and our, mm-hmm. our 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 styles are are, are pretty. Uh, uh, crystallized you know they're they're all they're all they're, all, they're we know them very well we know what we want to do so i like i'll look at all these guys work but i know that they do something that's different than what i want to accomplish but that's not to say that i won't feel like i'll get ideas and, and feed off that energy that they're sort of creating 
Um, but then I'll feel like, oh, I have to beat what I just did. What I have to do better mm -hmm. than than the last thing I made. So are you basically your target audience. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whenever I, anybody asks me like who yeah. I make my work for, it's yeah. just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get jealous though sometimes. Like I'm I'm kind of jealous of that awesome cover that he designed. Yeah. <laughs> cool looking that guy. Yeah. Look how awesome it is. I really like it. Yeah. I do wish I did that. But <laughs> it's cool, man. That's what that's what I feel when I, you, you, you go to like Jim's uh, table and like, look through his like portfolio. It's like, oh shit! Like, oh come on! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy though. It's healthy. Yeah. yeah. I guess um about an hour. One more question. You guys got one more question? Well, we're good. I'm running back over here. I'm getting exercise <laughs> I've needed all yeah. week apparently. <laughs> How important do you feel like uh, social media is for an indie artist? Because uh, lately it seems like Tumblr and Instagram, a lot more people have been able to see it. You know, you were talking about the, the box with the pamphlet, so this is kind of like our, our version of that. Uh, I can but, say, like, Instagram, like, changed my game, like, like a lot the last <laughs> year. Because I actually, like, hate, like, social media. <laughs> I suck at Facebook. Like, I don't, I don't understand Facebook. Like, Twitter is, like... I don't even know. Like, <laughs> you know so, like, uh, actually, like, Instagram, you know, it's just, like, I take a picture of what I'm doing and just post it, and, and that's it. But uh, the last year, probably, like, 90% of my, my uh, like, freelance work, it came from Instagram. Mm. Like, uh, I did, like, last year a T-shirt for, like, Mastodon, the heavy metal band. Yeah. Instagram. <laughs> I did, like, the drummer, like, follow me on Instagram. He said, like, dude, you want to do, like, a T-shirt for, like, Mastodon? <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't speak for, uh, you know, ev everybody, but it's been really important to me, kind of like, like what Alexia said. Um, it's, a, it's a way, I just want people to see my work, you know, and, and it's a way for me to reach a much wider audience than I would do if I weren't participating in it. Yeah, yeah I think it's everything for promotional purposes. I don't really prefer it, but it's, it's um, but it, you can't, can't ignore the benefits that you get from from just using it all the time. Be careful though, it's also a hindrance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's procrastination, oh. procrastination. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great question to close on. I think you guys uh did a great job and uh, it's great questions and everything from the audience too. So thank you guys for coming up here and doing this panel with us and spending some time with us. Thank you. And you guys will all be downstairs. If anybody else has further questions, feel free to stop by and talk to these guys. They're obviously all very open and nice, and I'm sure they'll invite you in. <laughs>